0: Hi, and welcome back to Recovery His Way. I'm Stuart Whiting, and sitting down once again with our director, Tom Reynolds. Hey, Tom. Good to be with you. Tom, we're finishing up our uh, series here on All Rise, and um, it's been a season where we've been aware that we need a, an entire community to rise up to face this challenge of substance abuse. And of course we're, we're at the center of it in one sense and there's other people this, uh, doing their thing, but also a lot of support from um, our legal community and medical community and, and also from volunteers and, and all that. And it's it's been a good time to hear people's stories of how they get involved. And of course, another aspect of this is how being involved in such Uh, a pursuit has changed our own lives and so we will kind of explore a little bit i want you to start maybe i know a lot of people have heard you speak a lot of different times a lot of different ways and maybe don't know the story about how you even uh, got involved in ministry right and so if you will take us back and
1: and catch us up with why have you even pursued ministry right well you know i was raised and born and raised in tacoma washington and uh um, was raised with an alcoholic father who was an atheist he was a devout atheist at that time when I was young and my mother was um, not particularly religious herself mm-hmm. um, you know we hit the we hit kind of a point i think in which my parents felt like probably some moral instruction by taking the kids to church would be a good idea and so I remember my mother apparently getting the short end of the straw and having to mm-hmm. um, get up early one morning probably with a hangover after the party the night before and put on her house coat and drove me down to church and dropped me off about a block or two away and made me walk to go to church. Wow. So that And that was my first experience of any kind of church. Um, later on, we had some neighbors who invited us and so we started going to church somewhat regularly. Um, and so I, I think I had some good moral, I think I did, I got some good moral instruction, character development kind of things, but I really never connected with the gospel at that point in my life and really saw the meaning behind it and the significance of it wasn't until college. Um, I'd gotten married when I was 19 uh, after my freshman year of college and uh, um, was involved in a uh, college plan on going to University of Washington which I was going and getting a degree in finance originally was my goal and going on law school and I kind of just saw that as a good track for success in yeah. some way. Whether I ever practiced law necessarily I thought it was just a good educational track. To to be successful and be influential in in our community. And so that's kind of how I originally got started. So at that point, the
0: idea of church and, and religion and anything formal is not really yeah, even no, in scope no, at
1: all. I, w- I wouldn't say I was anti any of those yeah, things. I just didn't see the relevancy yeah. of it. So what um, changed? Well, what changed was after the first year of my marriage, um, we hit a marital crisis. Um, you know, I think now I would recognize that just about every young couple goes through that. Yeah. Um, but we hit kind of a that kind of crisis. And we didn't really have a foundation in which to resolve it with. We had no community to be a part of. We were very isolated. At that time, we'd moved up to North Seattle. My Our families were all about an hour south of there, so they weren't real close to us. And, uh, and so we were kind of out on an island with no real way to address these things. Yeah. Actually, on our first anniversary, we began discussing separating. It wasn't like we didn't like each other, but that my pursuits and her pursuits weren't going in the same direction. We just felt like maybe we should. At the same time, we felt like we both valued marriage. And we thought, no, you know, we need to figure out a way to make this work. And so um, she had suggested that maybe we should try church. I thought, sure, why not? You know, I had nothing against it. But I'm like, okay. Yeah. So we visited a couple of churches and found um, not a lot of hope there originally. Um, and then kind of out, out, out of nowhere really, from my point of view, um, I ran into an old friend of mine who we'd gone to high school together and started college together, um, who I didn't know at the time had um, had become a christian Mm -hmm. and he met me on the we happened to see each other on the college campus one day and he invited us just at this moment where we were kind of thinking about church we maybe need to do something he invited us to go to the northwest church of christ which i knew nothing about that Um, we went and um, i was amazed i mean it just it really hit me at the right time i was you know i was 20 years old at the time She really wanted to be a part of something significant, wanted to be a part of something purposeful. Um, I met a bunch of college students who were passionate about the Bible, passionate about God, um, and it intrigued me. I remember... It's kind of funny. I remember going to, we went to a Sunday morning Bible class. It was the first thing I went to a college and there was a good, I mean, probably a hundred college students in there. And I was like really impressed. Like, wow, this many college students have they all had Bibles and they were yeah. engaged and they were taking notes and they were asking questions. I thought, Whoa, this is like, it really blew me away. And, uh, I remember after the church service and hearing the sermon, um, I, I, remember I found out that they actually got together on Sunday night and I thought, what? Crazy you do people this, this again? Yeah. I, I thought that was phenomenal. I thought, man, you can redo this too? Let's do it again. This is great. And so I came back on Sunday night, and I went back on Wednesday. And uh, I was just fascinated with what was happening. Um, it wouldn't take long. A couple months is when I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then um, probably about six months after that, maybe eight months, um, I came to the conviction that I don't think this path of finance and law school is really what I need to be doing, that I wanted to be a part of something that was going to matter in the bigger scope of things for me. Um, I still had a seminal moment where I was driving down to Seattle every day, taking my wife to work. And I'd hit this, you know, right down the heart of Seattle, right where all the executives and all these significant people are. And I'd find myself stopped about the same stoplight every day watching the same three-piece suit briefcase carrying people walk one way (laughs) and then go back and pick her up and watch them walk back the other way. And I thought is my goal to do this the rest of my life? Is that what I'm a part of? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I I wanted my life to do more than that. So that's when I started looking into ministry initially um, and was originally discouraged. I remember going to the preacher and saying, hey, I want to be in ministry and that kind of thing. I figured, "Wow, great, that'd be awesome. And he said, I do not recommend that. <laughs> and he tried to just do anything he could to, to dissuade me from that. Part because you're young in the faith or right. just a, I think it's going to be a hard road? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, I think mainly I was young and I was probably just, he probably saw me as kind of just still wet behind the ears mm-hmm. and a little too young to really understand what I was committing myself to. Yeah. Um, and I went back and kind of retooled and reevaluated and uh, came back and said, no, I want to do this. And so um, they started an intern program at that point and there were probably five or six of us who... I um, went to this little internship program in our church um, that kind of got me. I continued to finish my education at the University of Washington business um, with more of a focus on getting involved in campus ministry at that
0: point. Wow, way. okay. So then um, but at that point when you say I want to be in ministry and uh, you're excited about it, it sounds like the the community aspect and just seeing you know this effect on a broader mm-hmm. um, uh, group of people really affects you also and hearing the message and the good news. What do you think— it's going to mean to be in ministry now as right. a career.
1: Yeah. Um, two things. Uh, one, um, I wasn't going to be able to enjoy the lifestyle of a successful lawyer. Um, yeah, I was I was choosing, I've really had clear in my mind that I was kind of taking a vow of poverty. So that was very, you were very, yeah, aware, of very yeah. aware of that. I was very aware of that. That was fine. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Because I believe it was for something greater. The second thing was... I, I would, had been involved in a ministry that had been very evangelistic and very discipling oriented in terms of relationships and I really saw the transforming work of the gospel in, people, in young people's lives yeah. and I wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. I wanted to be a part of I really believe that the you know, we weren't. The, ultimately the world's not going to be changed by better politicians it's not going to be changed by making better rules or laws mm-hmm. it's not going to be changed by having stronger armies or anything like that I think ultimately the gospel was the thing that was going to really make a difference in our world and I want to be a part of that and so that's kind of how I got involved and my vision for ministry was really about that I know um, being in ministry over these years I've really been kind of taken back by most of the people that I've met in professional ministry who see it more as a opportunity to, you know, reflect in their studies and count, you know, kind of administer church mm-hmm. things and that kind of stuff. I never had that picture in my, mind. my 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 mind was always about being with people and sharing the message of the gospel and seeing people's lives change, you know, being in their homes, being in their dormitories, right, being right. out with people. I never envisioned sitting in an office.
0: So I've known you pretty well right. for a while now, particularly in the last six years or so working right. here. And it's clear that you're very driven by relationship and community. And were you really aware of that back in that you know when you were nineteen, twenty? Where it's like you know this is really where I, I you get know, my energy.
1: What's funny about that is that I'm basically an introvert. Yeah. I don't really um, you know I look at a lot of the people I know around me who have had long time friendships. They'll go on vacations with their fa- these family friends that they've known since college or something, and, and that kind of thing. And I don't have any of that. I don't. When I go home, I want to be home. It's it's kind of a um, it's kind of more of a um, a conviction of mine. I mean, I do have a passion for it, but I think it's kind of grown over the years by my experience. And so, I'm not naturally, I don't think, wired that way. I think naturally, I just soon stay by myself and read a book or you know do things like that. But there's a guy driving me about wanting to be with people that I've gotten so accustomed to now. It's almost like I'm addicted to it.
0: So you you're, you go through this intern program that's right. spun up, and and where does that lead you in
1: ministry? Yeah, well, we end up going to um, my first ministry opportunity in campus ministry. I would actually interviewed a few places and was in a, diff, a difficult crisis at that time because um, we were about ready to have our first child. I had no place to go. The internship had ran out. I had no income. I didn't know where in the world I was going to live. You can't go down to the local bank and get a job at this point, right? right? I mean, that's it's right. not, that's not, right. not in that's scope right. anymore. right? And so— um, I was really in a crisis about what to do. I wanted to be in campus ministry, but i interviewed a number of places and not had an opportunity yet. What, this um, is what, early '80s. This was nineteen, yeah, nineteen eighty-one. Is that eighty-two? That, my my um,
0: understanding of campus ministry—they're not all over the place, kind of right, yet. That, this is just starting to right, really grow. Right, you right. happen to hit—you happen to hit at the University of Washington, one that
1: is ahead of the game, right. not a lot of places. Right, and it, pretty it much way. we were interviewing places, churches that were considering starting right. campus ministries, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the thing. And so I remember I interviewed in Reno, Nevada, I interviewed in um, Columbus, Ohio, at Ohio State, um, and ended up at Pepperdine University, um, which was a really phenomenal <laughs> experience um, in a number of ways. Um, but I, so I enjoyed I enjoyed that. I was there two years, I think, in my a couple of interesting things. You know, I had been a Christian. I mean, most I've been a Christian about three years by the time I became campusers at Pepperdine. And most of the college students in my campus ministry had been had raised up been raised up in the church. For sure. And so they had been Christians way longer yeah. than I had been. Yeah. And they were looking to me for direction and advice and insight and that kind of thing. So it was kind of a unique experience mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. Um, but I got I think I got frustrated a little bit you know still you know at a young age I wanted to see things move faster and happen faster and certainly not only in the church but in a Christian institution like Pepperdine Mm -hmm. um, you have kind of a you know institutional aspect kind of can get in the way and I think I got frustrated and ended up deciding to move to Denver uh, to do campus ministry and singles ministry in Denver and so I did that for a couple years and then from there um, I, again, got kind of in this disillusionment mode. I want to do something different. Um, and then I went to Princeton. Was the disillusionment with the idea of ministry in no. general? But it was no. with just it the was, way it was Right, right. I, it, it was, it was the, the disillusionment came with kind of the church politics stuff, mm-hmm. with the church structure, with the things that were getting in the way of what I thought the mission was supposed to be. Okay. And so I was looking for somewhere to kind of where somewhere where I can kind of get unshackled from that and we can really be released and I can be challenged and grow in the areas I felt like I needed to be which is being more out with people and more engaged in that direction so um, I ended up going to Princeton. My intention at the time was to move somewhere else and then that didn't work out so we ended up in Princeton, and I did campus ministry, and that's where I started preaching. Um, and I never preached because it was the next step in ministry. You know, okay. a lot of people, yeah. you become a youth minister and right. you kind of move up the ranks, become associate, and then eventually one day you become the preacher. You, you've hung around long enough where they look to you to be the preacher right. kind of thing. I, I never felt that way. I, was, I, that, was it a goal of yours to be a no. preacher? No, not at all. I, I know it had no real interest in being a preacher. Yeah. Um, I didn't mind preaching. Uh, I liked it, um, but it wasn't, Ever my pursuit, but I always saw it. To be honest, I saw preaching as kind of through the campus ministry lens. I always saw preaching as kind of a um, kind of a culture developer, a environment creator. Um, it kind of, in a sense, preaching kind of gave you a context in which then you could do ministry. Right. And either the preaching could stifle that, or the preaching could enhance that. Yeah. But it wasn't really the ministry. It was just kind of the the environment, the air that was created in order to fuel yeah. that ministry. So that's kind of how I saw it. And so I didn't mind preaching because I enjoyed having the opportunity to kind of support that. But I felt like my job was really about what I did the rest of the week sure. and being engaged with sure. people and that type of thing at, at you know Princeton campus and in the community and those kind of things. So you felt like you were living out your yeah. vision here for um, ministry at yeah. this point? And, and I, I always, but I, interestingly, I think, I think about it, I'm always hitting these points of some level of, disillusionment and Mm -hmm. so um, and not in a bad way in the sense that I was mad at anybody or anything like this I kinda felt like kinda just okay I've done that now what and so um, if you remember life, our world history at that point Um, I hit about the end of the night or the first of the 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in Princeton. I'm preaching. And at that time, the walls come down Mm -hmm. and there's this explosion of mission work and interest Mm -hmm. in Eastern Europe and Russia Mm -hmm. and all these communist areas. People are really receptive and open to the gospel at that point. And so I became enamored with wanting to do that. Um, I was in the Northeast. I knew a lot of people from Eastern Europe. I mean, neighbors and friends and yeah, people and that kind of thing because of those communities. And so, I really wanted. To, my vision was: I really wanted to do. Cam- I wanted to do campus ministry in Europe. I felt like, you know, there's no better way to reach the future than reach the college campus. And that if we could establish a ministry and train people and equip people in Europe to go back to these Eastern European universities mm-hmm. and have the influence of the gospel there, that that would be the best way to influence mm-hmm. um, the, the future of Eastern Europe, I felt like. And I, wanted to, I really wanted to do that. Unfortunately, um, at that point, um, I hit some struggles personally in marriage, and my wife was having some hard times. And she, we were kind of doing, going through some struggles. She was going through, I think, some um, own personal crises in terms of evaluating what she wanted to be and do. And um, so we ended up kind of
0: dra- dragging family all over the
1: place, right. and, and maybe now we're going overseas. Right, And, right. Is this really and what she was very supportive of that. Yeah. Um, but then we kind of hit some roadblocks. Within our relationship, and so we kind of felt like it would be that would be a little too bold of a move at that point, right. and so um, the opportunity to come to um, Huntsville yeah. and continue to work in campus ministry and preach, um, which had been kind of our thing to yeah. do, was kind of we felt like it would be a good fit. It's something I knew how to do, and that um, would be a good way for um, us to kind of kind of restart in some ways with some stuff we're going through. So we came to. Huntsville and of course, that's
0: where we get to know each other, and right. we were there as you were coming, right. and and so you have what I would, from from my standpoint, a successful stint as being the uh, pulpit preacher mm-hmm. there, uh, as well as doing the other things that I, I guess now hearing you say you you felt were much more important than your your preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular. And, and so you've had this, and you heard
1: me preach. So you knew I felt the other things were much more important. <laughs> no, you were always, I, how long had you been preaching when you come,
0: when you came in like in 94? Uh,
1: probably, probably about eight
0: years. Okay. Yeah. You could tell that you were pretty polished right. and, and whatnot. And, uh, so, uh, and we were a very established congregation, and and um, mm-hmm. people that loved opening the Bible together. So, if, had you not been, <laughs> had you not been at a certain level of proficiency, I don't think you would have you would have cut the you know cut the mustard, so to speak. Uh, right. <laughs> yes. People are going to let you know Central you know. Had,
1: has definitely a high standard in terms of really biblical does. knowledge and and uh, that kind of thing, which. <laughs> I've found over the years has been very been great for me in terms right. of refining me it hasn't always been easy Right. Um, I've always found myself in situations where you can't just get away with fluff you can't get away with I, I'd listen to great sermons out here other places and I'd seldom yeah. but every now and then man, I just want to, to read I'm going to do that lesson mm-hmm. this coming Sunday and I try it and it would just get ripped to pieces. I think, my goodness, I can't. Yeah. And I, I realized that there's a certain level. Yeah, it's an expectation. Um, right. Yeah, so, obviously, you had a,
0: a, a good long, what, 10 plus years of being the pulpit preacher mm-hmm. and, and other uh, minister um, aspects at Central. And, but now you're at his way and been here for 15 years. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what, what's yeah, the change well, there? Um yes. As I mentioned, it was kind of, back when I was in Princeton, we started having these marital. Things started kind of flashing to some degree, and I think we tried to manage those, and um, we did well for a while, um, but unfortunately they popped up again. And uh, in 2003, I'd been at Central for nine years at that nine point, um, my wife decided to, she wanted to end the marriage, and so she left at that point, and it was devastating to me, and obviously devastating to my family, and in very, you know, damaging to the church at that point yeah. because you know um preachers have a very uh, pretty strong connection with the church and the church with them and Hopefully, so yeah. what they're going through really impacts them and so um i'm very uh, you know it really it, you know when not only did was i feeling like i was losing obviously my marriage and we had been married 25 years at that point um and and it was fracturing my family and a lot of those kind of things which were devastating to me because i don't want any of those things to happen um it also was very career disruptive. I didn't know what kind of future I would have in ministry because, um, you know, there's kind of an expectation in terms of marriage and family and that kind of stuff for preachers, okay. um, and. Um, And then that, obviously, when I built a whole career financially around that, not that I was making a ton of money, but at the same time, my my livelihood was kind of based on this, that it put a lot of question marks in my future in terms of what could I do, what would I be able to do, that type of thing. very thankful that Central incredibly always stood with me, stood behind me, um, supported me through all of that, um, I mean, certainly, was a family through that. Got, at times, the church leadership would get criticized for the fact that they shouldn't be supporting somebody who's mm-hmm. going through an obvious divorce and those kind of things. But and obviously, you're still there as a member, so it's been an ongoing right. um, community
0: right. that you're a part of. What, 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 what causes you to step down?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of I, I continued ministry for a couple of years after yeah. that. Basically, in 2005. I kind of felt like I wasn't dissatisfied the church was I mean everything was going fine I just I felt like um, a couple of things I felt like if I were to get remarried that I didn't want the church to become have to become a part of that process Mm -hmm. you know I just figured with the kind of Profile that a preacher has, all of a sudden you start dating somebody, it becomes it becomes a, a side issue to the church that hinders what the church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want my personal life to get in the way of the gospel. Um, and I didn't want, I also didn't want, if I were to invite somebody else in my life again, I didn't want them to feel like they were not just marrying me, but they would be marrying the church and, and a preacher and all that, because mm-hmm. I felt like that was way too much responsibility to force on somebody um, and so I just felt like it'd be better at that point to kind of phase yeah. out and do something different. And, and I couldn't have done that if it weren't for some great brothers who you know, offered me opportunities to work in some other fields mm-hmm. and, and come alongside. I always stayed involved in Central. Yeah. Um, at that time, we had a bridge group ministry still, and I still did that every week. Um, still came you to know, Sunday school and assembly. I don't think I ever missed for any reason. Yeah. Um, I felt like the Central Church was still my family. It's your future career wise and family wise yeah. is a little bit up in the air right
0: and yeah. um, and and so what what's your thinking at this point? right
1: the the thing that I kind of I didn't know what my thinking I had no idea mm-hmm. I mean um, I did know that I wanted to be faithful to God and I did know that I was a minister yeah um, I remember I worked in the secular field for a while and people would ask me you know it's like why are you know why are you working here you seem like you should be preaching somewhere in yeah. a church somewhere and my, my comment to him at times would be well, do you attend that church? And I said, no. And I said, well, maybe God sent me to you, you know, maybe I'm here because you wouldn't <laughs> right, come there. Right, right. Um, but that's the way my mindset was. So everything I was doing was still ministry oriented. So people oriented, how am I going to help people grow? And I was part of a, you know, leading a sales force at that point. And so I was just thinking about how do you help these people grow and, you know, um, spiritually and, and in career in order to be successful and things worked well there. um, But I knew that wasn't my end, it wasn't my stop, and I had a number of opportunities to do different things. However, I just, you know, I didn't want to go back and just preach again. That was never my vision. Um, I didn't really feel, at that time, having gone through a divorce and everything, I certainly didn't feel the emotional energy to be able to, like, plant a church or start something from scratch. I didn't want to get back into campus ministry necessarily because of my where my life was at that point and the, my children and my responsibilities with them. And so I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no earthly idea. Um, but I figured I would just keep doing what I'm doing until God made clear what he would want me to do next. So you're already a part of this bridge group, and we've talked about this
0: on the podcast right. before. Uh, Starting to reach out to uh, addiction communities, some that had already walked through that path, mm-hmm. right. that wanted to see better involvement by a, an, right. a church right. and right. by right. a real Bible-based Christ-centered right. Right. type recovery, and um, and and you get married during this time, mm-hmm. right? You remarried. Right. and um, so so it's the seeds are being planted. For this whole second right. chapter, right, of what ministry looks like. Yeah, How and, does that right. turn out?
1: And so, yeah, I get married, and uh, Selma and I, Selma's an incredible partner in all of this. really been a huge blessing. None of this that I have done the last 15 years would have been possible without her probably more committed than me in, in every aspect of it. So um, she was very passionate about ministry, too, and we really shared that, and we really have a common vision for all that so that was really good what what kind of happened was um i was continuing to to do the bridge group and be involved and um one of the guys who went through the bridge group you know came back to Huntsville and wanted to start a residential program um and i kind of got reattached to him and we started meeting regularly and Um, then kind of things kind of happened Clyde Jones as we've said had this property and Doug had this program vision and I was kind of in the middle of that trying to figure out how to make that work and so I was still working my full time job but then evenings and volunteering I would be involved out here I came out here when we originally started I was coming out here on Wednesdays and teaching class and Usually meeting with Doug on a daily basis, you know, meeting for lunch or breakfast or whatever to kind of navigate the things he was facing as he would originally start. So how did the, as this is just starting
0: up and you're you're right there at the, the ground right. floor, even though you're not full time or right. whatever, did, did this feel like um, a, a recapturing of an, an idea of ministry or just a continuation of a ministry? or?
1: Yeah, it, it felt just kind of like a, it's kind of like a bridge, it's kind of maybe. Bridge Group 2.0 kind of thing. It just felt like kind of a continuation of what I was doing in some ways. Um, And I never really envisioned it becoming a career or a ministry path in the sense of a full-time situation. Um, I was just trying to kind of help where I could help and that type of thing. And about six months in, you know, Clyde and the board of directors and Doug came to me and asked if I wanted to do this um, full-time. And... um, I really did. I really wanted to, but I couldn't figure out how that was going to happen. I mean, one, this was a new, a startup kind of deal. They didn't have the financial resources. And I had, you know, pretty significant responsibilities with kids in college and a house payment and all that kind of stuff. Newly married, um, so I wasn't sure how I was going to make that happen. And I certainly didn't want to put a heavy financial burden on a you know young nonprofit. Right. Right. Um, and so that was kind of the struggle. I was kind of whether that was the right fit or not. And so, uh, um, you know, someone I prayed a lot about it. We fasted about it. We really thought it was the right thing to do. But we figured that, you know, God would solve the problems that we couldn't solve. Mm-hmm. And uh, and amazingly, without going into deep story, you know, one amazingly, you know, I, we prayed and fasted. I remember the day. It was a Friday. Um, I was still working at my the regular job, and I was taking Friday lunch, and I intentionally took my lunch break. Um, I was going to go and pray about this by myself in a corner and finally decide, am I going to do this or am I not going to do it? Mm. And um, and I was going to eat a meal kind of as a conclusion to my fast. It was kind of this, okay, this is it. I'm going to make the decision. And I went to a place looking to be all by myself, um, to have that quiet corner, to be able to kind of finally... You know make that commitment and a good good friend was there that you know at the time I didn't want to see you know because again I'm an introvert and I was looking for a corner and he was there and said hey Tom why don't you come sit with me I was like oh, yeah, what am I gonna do it's like I have this whole plan I'm gonna have to make this decision I don't know what to do and uh, I sat down with him and we talked and he kind of said what do you got going on I kind of told him about his way thing and that kind of thing and, and he made the comments I said i kind of in this dilemma and he said well if I gave you X number of dollars right now, would that help you make your decision? And it was the exact amount of money that I was kind of struggling with. Okay, how am I going to fit that change in life? Yeah. And and that he, was, he wouldn't have known. I didn't tell him, but he gave. He spoke that very amount of money, and I felt like, well, God answered it more clearly than I <laughs> oh, could have in right, my corner right. um, with a couple of pieces of chicken. You know, mm-hmm. so um, that really was kind of a confirmation yeah. to get into this, and so. And I really have a since I've been here, I feel like um, it's really been a tremendous fulfillment of everything I've gone through. Yeah. Um, relationship-wise, discipling evangelistically, um, even administratively, organizationally, all those kind of things. I feel like all the things I've gone through has kind of prepared me for this one thing. And I, I really think it's all for me. It's all been kind of everything's been working to bring about. This one thing yeah so how do you see this now
0: being this you know fulfillment and i mean not the ultimate fulfillment but this continuation and fulfillment of the ministry mm-hmm. that you had you've wanted to be a part of and you had this vision back when you are converted to say right. i want to be helping right. people how is that happening here in his way well,
1: well i think the beauty of it is it's um i think i'm doing all the things i had the passion heart to do without feeling stru- stuck in the institutional structure yeah. that you have to maintain, that's the social expectation of church. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of the, the decoupling of those mm-hmm. things in a sense yeah. that i have really been able to enjoy, uh, which is always the thing I was always looking for and, and never created, it's actually, I, I kind of stumbled into it, right? Yeah. Um, but, and I, I have nothing wrong with church. I mean, I, I love the church, I'm an active part of the church. Um, I love and I respect every aspect of it. I just see at times that it can kind of sometimes get in its own way at times. Um, And I feel like this is the perfect fulfillment. I mean, the things that I was raised in in Christianity was, you know, sharing the message with people who are desperate and hurting and then helping to build a relationship with them that was going to mature them and disciple them in that. And that's basically all that we do here. Mm -hmm. I mean, we reach people who are desperate, who come through the doors, and then we are spending a whole... You know, nine months to a year, and, and really the reality is every one of our guys stays a part of our family yeah, for, years for, years for years and years, years. to come. Yeah. And, um, and we get to be a part of that ongoing discipleship, and not just with the men, but with their, you know, I do a lot of premarital counseling for guys and marriage counseling, and we have a small group that, you know, of marriages of couples that come together at our home every Thursday night and so we this is the ongoing process of that. yeah there's something
0: about being really on the front line and not um, shrouded in in more of the Bigger organizational, maybe an irony is we're starting to be bigger, and there is more organization happening now. uh, So you're having to learn to (laughs) to work within that again. But I know, I know where you're coming from there. I guess the final question here, since we're kind of wrapping up, this all rise. What does all rise mean to you, and especially for the future?
1: For me personally, I mean, I think God's created an opportunity for me to ultimately find what I think he was always working toward in my life. That I I'm sure I would not have been able to accomplish at any other stage. It's the perfect timing for it. Yeah. Um He didn't sit down and plan out that uh, in one year I'm gonna do this. I right I you, no idea.
0: As we typically think we right. need to do.
1: But um I think I think so he's risen me up and um and I don't think this is the end. Mm-hmm. I think this is the continued beginning of something far more. I mean I really I have a vision for wanting to encourage Christians, whether it be certainly guys in full-time ministry at different places, people may be going through the same journey that I've gone through, um, finding this place where they can connect with a desperate community. I think so many people in ministry want to reach out to the lost; mm-hmm. they want to disciple and train up the next generation of leaders, but they're so stuck in just administering church that it's hard to ever get there. And I think this ministry of reaching um, people in addiction. Um, is a great way to do that it's a great evangelistic opportunity a great discipling opportunity and I mean you've known a lot of these guys that we've had a chance to meet some of the most talented, sharp intelligent, capable and in many cases not particularly shackled to a lot of other things they're kind of a fresh start and so they're really wide open to the next adventure in their life and um, what a great opportunity to really bring a revolutionary message and I think it's really at the we're at the, at the juncture I think at the at the intersection of a really key time I mean, it is a critical time in our culture where obviously addictions a huge problem but addiction's a huge problem in our culture because it's a, it's a part of this systemic pro- problem in our culture of this self-indulgent right. um, type of culture in which addicts are simply the ultimate. Projection of that and fulfillment of that, and so to be able to speak to that and bring the gospel to that right. key idea, I think is really a revolutionary opportunity to bring life-transforming message to people who are hurting. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's it's amazing to see how God has used
0: you in in the ups and the downs to. To really be at the heart of what's been happening here, and and now getting the opportunity to leverage this into Atlanta and to inspire others that have graduated to start other programs, and you know, and it's not just it's not just about substance abuse recovery, but just finding people, communities that are hurting, that are 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 ready to listen. It seems so often in in. A, in here with one story and I've said it a couple times to you but I remember it so vividly during this time you were no longer preaching and not yet had started an, another ministry when you were working uh, selling printers uh, and whatnot. you said you know I, I asked you, do you have, are you going to preach again do you have a chance to preach and I'm sure you got that question all the time I said, yeah, I've, had, I've had some opportunities and I'm not really sure because you know I, I, I've been thinking on it I don't want to stand up and ask people to come listen to me I want to go find people. And I could you could even see in your heart then that this idea of ministry meant finding people where they are. And obviously we're able to do that here at His Way. And there are other groups, good groups in all of our communities and anyone listening that you can find that are out there right on the front lines with people and take our faith and just uh, be the vessel that we were intended to be to transform lives and bring the gospel into their, their lives. It's a beautiful thing. Right. That's well, exactly. uh, thanks for sharing and opening thank up to today. Today, thank, uh, thank you also for joining us uh, on the podcast today. And if you'd like more information about His Way, you can find it at HisWayInc.org.